Hi, I'm your host Pratik Panda and you're listening to Impulse, the influencer marketing podcast by Philo. Here we talk to the best and brightest in influencer marketing to help answer all your questions from finding the right influencers to making sure you have the best influencer marketing strategy. So let's get started. Welcome to Impulse, the influencer marketing podcast. Thank you for joining us on another episode. Joining us today is Colleen Stoffer, a global integrated consumer, creator, and business marketing expert. That was a mouthful, but we will get to know a lot about her and why she's amazing at all of these things. She's currently the head of marketing and communications at Creative Juice, a financial technology company that offers business banking for creators, and a host of creator business tools. She's also got a tremendous amount of experience in various kinds of marketing, whether it's traditional, paid media, lifecycle marketing, content strategy, SEO, PR, and so many other things. Thank you so much for joining us, Colleen. I'm looking forward to this conversation. Same here. Thank you for having me. Awesome. So let's hit it off and let's first get to know a little bit about Creative Juice. Tell us a little bit more about Creative Juice and your role at the company. Yeah, absolutely. So Creative Juice is, we're the one-stop shop for creators to run their business. So we offer funding, banking, business tools, things like doing your taxes, sending invoices to brands, managing your cash flow. We really found this big gap in the creator ecosystem. Nobody was helping these creators, which ultimately are just solopreneurs, small businesses, run their business from the back of it. And ultimately, like, yeah, they are small businesses and they're just selling a different commodity, you know, which is content. And so really helping them, educating them and giving them those tools to run their business, which traditional financial institutions are not, is our goal. So really hitting on that pain point that hasn't been solved yet. Awesome. That's amazing. Because the thing is, not a lot of people understand this, right? Like you mentioned that being a creator is almost like a solopreneur. It's more often than not, it is a one person business, sometimes a two person business, right? which is very similar to a lot of the other businesses, not just in North America, but everywhere around the world, right? And yet there are very few companies who would offer any kind of services for them. And it's also a lonely journey being a creator, right? There is a lot of stress. You're always trying to do the best that you can, editing your content, you're creating content, you're strategizing content, and then you also have to deal with banking, compliance, laws, taxes, and so on, right? Did you uh, or anyone in the company have a background that you felt that, okay, I'm tired of this myself and need to go find a solution? And then you figured that, okay, let's go build it. Yeah, it's a good question. Our company is pretty cool and unique. And I would say half the people come from more like the finance fintech background and the other half come from the creator world. And we do have a few people that are creators. Destiny Gibbs, she's an amazing gaming creator on YouTube and as well as Twitch, you know, she works on our team as well. And so it's so nice to have like that inside knowledge and really solving this pain point, right? But then we talk to creators all day, every day. And one of our co-founders, Ezra Cooperstein, he has a day job as the president of Night Media, which is you know a business management agency for creators. So again, we really have this access now to chatting with creators. Some of them are investors. Of course, Mr. Beast being the biggest YouTuber in the world, he is one of our investors. So making sure that we, we talk to our consumers, our creators every single day and solving that pain point. So not only internally, but of course, externally. 
did Mr. Beast come to your office with a briefcase full of money and just give it to you? <laughs> I mean, virtually, yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, tell us a little bit more about your role, Colleen. What do you do for Creative Juice? Yeah, so I took this role. I left Pinterest, kind of had a dream job at Pinterest, but this was so exciting to me because as a marketer, being able to build a brand from the ground up is like the ultimate thing you want to do, right? So that and then solving something that's never been solved before for especially this awesome influencer creator economy. It's such a new economy for people out there. There's so many new companies popping up, but this one really stood out because nobody else was doing what we were doing. And then of course, working with an incredible team. So those are like the reasons I came to Juice. And yeah, my role is really all fully rounded in marketing comms. So leading, you know, establishing our brand, driving growth and acquisition of creators to the product. And then of course, doing all like the PR and comms that comes with that. And, you know, ultimately really building these loyal creators that hopefully will refer other creators and talk to us and have this cool community based on a topic that hasn't always been, you know, the most interesting and exciting. Yeah, that's interesting. And you did mention Creative Juice doing something that nobody else is doing, right? And we are all part of the creator economy. Philo is also a creator economy company. And we try to solve a different kind of problem around data and access to authenticated data and stuff like that. But tell us a little bit more why you think or what you think Creative Juice does differently compared to other companies in the creator economy. Yeah, there's so many, so many creator companies out there right now. You always see the information, they'll publish their list of all the creator companies going out. But I will say, you know, no one platform is doing having everything in one place like we are. So having this creator run their business, do their taxes, get funding if they want to get funding, have a community that they can tap around these business questions and problems. And then of course, banking. So a lot of them use PayPal or Venmo, or they don't even have a business bank account. They, you know, go to a traditional bank and those banks don't understand them. So The unique thing about us is having everything in one place, which we've heard is a huge pain point. Like creators, they'll have 20 tabs open, they'll be using 20 different things or just not feel educated on how to do certain things like their taxes. You know, we've talked to some that maybe haven't done their taxes in a in a minute. And so really helping and educating. So that's probably the, the biggest differentiator. It's like that one place, you know, we haven't invented anything new, right? Like all these things exist. They just haven't been repackaged and marketed to creators or given creators education to know how to use them or put them all in one place. And the other thing I'll kind of add about our product is, you know, we have two options. So there are companies out there that are giving funding for like the top 1% of YouTubers. We really are reaching the whole, the entire creator economy, whether you have 5,000 subscribers or 5 million. And so we're launching the Juice Club, which is really exciting. And so there's still going to be always a free option. We believe free tools, banking should always be available for creators. And then there's a club membership option, which just gives you more access to some community and education and resources. Awesome. And I did read about, am I right that you also offer some kind of funds to creators to get started or help with their business? 
Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And so it's rev share. So it's not alone. I think that's like a big thing too. We're really taking a bet on creators. And one of our big values is we grow as creators grow. So we're incentive aligned and giving creators anything from like one month advance to up to a year of funding. So they can have just that more consistent cash flow because, you know, it is really clumpy as a creator, as an influencer, you might have a brand deal you know, one month and then not have one for another five months. And so giving them that consistent cash flow so they can feel a little bit more stable. And the only thing that they need to do is just keep up on the pace of content that they had been for the past, you know, six, 12 months. So we can predict those earnings. Awesome. And you also talked about a little bit about how other brands are maybe focusing on the top one or two percent creators, whereas you're looking at pretty much the entire group. There is this growing creator middle class, as they call it, right? Mm -hmm. And there is a common misconception. I feel that people think that creators or influencers make a lot of money because a lot of the big deals do get media attention and right. you know people get surprised by that and everybody wants to become a creator but it's also hard work right it's a lot of hard work and more often than not people need this kind of help because brands pay you like net 60 or net 90 days oftentimes mm-hmm. so even though you might have done a great promotion you still don't have the money in the bank and you're trying to manage all of that cash flow is there something creative juice is doing in particular for this growing creator middle class Yes, absolutely. And first of all, my 11-year-old niece was here last weekend. She's like, I want to be a YouTuber. And I said, it's actually a lot of work. So don't like think that these people just create a video and then they make all this money. Like it is a lot of work. I think that's like another point that we all need to make with this economy. It's really hard work and it is lonely, as you mentioned. And then on top of that, it, it is that business side of it. So you're right. Like I've been guilty. I've been on the brand side and we've been, you know, haven't built paid a creator in not a juice, but in a previous life, (laughs) haven't paid a creator in, you know, 90 days. And it's just because these brand AP departments are just small and slower. And so that's another problem we're solving at juice. We are doing brand advances. So for certain creators, especially creators working with talent agencies, it's, you know, less risky for us and more efficient for them, but being able to give them that money once they've, you know, completed their, their content upfront. And that's another huge thing we heard from these creators. They said, the minute I post my content, I kind of want that like equal dopamine hit of getting paid immediately. And then if I have to wait 90 days, it almost isn't even like they kind of don't care anymore because you're like, oh yeah, well, I kind of already spent that money and I already posted that content. So we are solving that too with our brand advances. That's awesome. What are some other creator marketing trends or influencer marketing trends that you're observing? Yeah. So one of them is the rise of creator educators. I think this is really cool. You know, we work with a lot of them. We work with Patty Galloway, John Yushehi, and and really having these new experts come up and help other creators, right? So I think that's really cool because you haven't really seen that before in this creator economy. And so paying attention to those creator educators, there's more and more on all different platforms, you know, ones that really focus on YouTube versus Instagram, et cetera. So I think that's going to be a fast growing trend is is more creators helping other creators. Another big thing I would say is the de-influencing. I love this one because a lot of time you see these influencers you've been following forever and then you can tell when it's just a really cheesy or obvious ad that they're doing versus product that they actually use, right? And so 
I actually love this because I love like the opposite of other things sometimes, but de-influencing is an interesting trend where it's like literally influencers, creators using products that they wouldn't recommend and why, because that helps them feel more authentic and also build their audience to trust them even more so. So I think you're going to see more of that. And then the third one I would say is having creators really own their audience. And we can talk about this more with like Web3, but, you know, more and more creators are taking back control of their audience, right? So if you think about it, they don't own their audience on Instagram or YouTube. Those platforms own that community, own that audience. But a lot of creators are starting newsletters so they can get all email addresses from their audience on other platforms or they're pulling all their audience from other channels to like a different community platform, or even, honestly, some of them are starting, you know, CPG brands. That's really more the bigger ones. But that's just a way for them to control their audience. And I think Web3 is going to help solve that. And actually, Elon Musk just tweeted today that he's going to give content creators access to emails of their subscribers. So that's a cool change. But I think the, the owning the audience helps these creators just feel that control. I mean, it's their business, it's their IP, it's their content. And we definitely need to see more of that. Awesome. And I think we'll touch on two things there. One is the whole de-influencing thing. I think that is amazing. I think it's going to be one of the interesting takeaways as far as creator listeners are listening to this episode, right? I, I think if you're a creator and you're listening to this, talking about products or brands that you don't like and why is definitely mm -hmm. an interesting take on your content strategy also, right? And end of the day, it's all about authenticity, right? Almost in every episode that I have hosted so far, authenticity comes up one or the other time, right? So even as a brand, like as a marketer, you care about authenticity when you're identifying an influencer to work with. Even as an influencer, as you're continuing to build your audience, the authenticity is what keeps the audience attached to you, right? And I think this whole thing around de-influencing is helping in that way of building that trust and authenticity. Absolutely. It's true. It's like a, a drinking game anytime you say authenticity. <laughs> yes. But it, 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 I mean, it matters, right? It matters. It matters. I mean, and that's why we go to influencers or we trust them, right? If every post was just a brand promotion, you know, you wouldn't be able to connect either. As long as, yeah, you're using the product, that's still okay. I mean, I know a lot of influencers just do this for a living. They review products, but they use the products, they try it out, then give an honest review, which is still okay, right? Exactly. I think the honest review is, is the key there, right? Yeah. Let's dive a little bit deeper into the owning your audience part. And I wanted to talk to you a little bit about Web3 and what's your perspective so far? Web3 is going through an interesting phase right now. It used to be this hot thing at one point. Right now, it's like surviving, but you know it has all the elements of being reborn again. What is your thoughts around Web3, especially in the creator economy context? Yeah, I really do see for Web3 this opportunity for creators as a whole to kind of take back control of their audience and make their audience portable in the sense, right? So it's just that another opportunity for them to, to see what's possible. And just like any small business would have access to like their entire community if they walk into a store or have their email list, et cetera. It's like this Web3 is, is making an audience more portable, which is really, really gold for this creator segment. And I think too, it's really cool to see how brands are coming into Web3 and connecting like their brand with the creator in Web3. Alo Yoga, they are like 
an incredible, the CMO there, Angelique, she's amazing. And she launched her capsule, a recent capsule collection for Alo Yoga on Web3 and got creators to like build within it and almost like show off the clothes, et cetera. So there's just like this really fun new ecosystem going on. And the other shout out I'll give is there's a really cool platform. If you haven't had him on your show yet, you should bring him on. But my friend Zed of Magic Den, they're an NFT marketplace for creators. So again, they're building this like eBay for NFTs in the creator economy. And they've been hugely successful already. And they're only, I think, at their series A or series B. But because of that control and creative, not only creative control, but audience control. So I'm excited to see more and and see what happens. And, you know, eventually I think Juice will get there with Web3. We're not doing anything yet. We're solving like a very old financial traditional problem that hasn't been solved yet, right, for this new economy. But I see a natural fit eventually, you know, to getting into all the new currencies too. Yeah. And just to bring some more realistic perspective, then what we are essentially talking about is that if we were really in Web3 land and TikTok was a Web3 platform and would get banned in the US, you as a TikTok influencer or creator could really move your audience to another platform without having to worry about losing all of the hard work that you've put in on that platform. Is that right? Exactly. Exactly. I love the concept of a portable audience for this solopreneur creator. Yeah. And I think as creators, that's essentially your moat, right? And your audience is all that you've put in all the effort to build and brands come to you because of your audience, you're able to do because of your audience. And if there there is a significant amount of platform dependency right now, right? As a creator, I know a lot of folks who try to post across different platforms, but that's also a lot of hard work, right? Every platform has its own variant of how it should be posted and what kind of content works and how long should it be and so many other things, right? When we create this podcast also, we're trying to reformat it into different formats so that it can fit the requirements of every platform. And that's a lot of work, right? And as a a solopreneur, that's even more difficult. And then you're tied to one platform and you're building your audience only to like lose it. So we definitely, I mean, I think all of us at Philo are also big fans of Web3 for that decentralization and that portability of audience as far as the creator economy is concerned. But I think realistically, we still have some time before we start seeing that happen. But at least the promise is strong. Yes. And it's funny, even like creators posting on multiple platforms, but even with like YouTube now is like create shorts, but all like the long form creators are like, should I be doing shorts or should I still be doing long form? I mean, even within platforms, it's become a little bit confusing for creators and how they should focus. I think there's going to be a lot of like roller coaster between or short form, long form. We'll see how it shakes out in a few months too there. Yeah, we saw the creator economy get an uptake in growth during the pandemic and post-pandemic as well. It's already more than a $100 billion market today. We are seeing more trends of growth happening. Do you see some particular key drivers why the creator economy is growing? Yeah, I think first and foremost that the pandemic, I think, helped people. I think the silver lining of it was people were had a little bit of a like life's too short mentality and taking back like that entrepreneurial mindset. Like that really came out of it. I mean, personally for me, even like I left a, a large company and came to a startup. I was like, let's go do something different, like mix it up. I think a lot of creators were doing it as their side hustle or as a hobby. And they 
found this cool opportunity, which was created because people were at home, they were consuming more content, they wanted more creators in their lives. And so I do think that entrepreneurial mindset was a big thing. I also think influencer marketing grew so much during the pandemic because People from like a marketing perspective, I mean, even in my old job, we were constantly trying to think like, how can we be more creative in this moment? How can we give people ideas? How can we fulfill their lives where they're like a little bit in lockdown inside? And so I know more brands invest in influencer marketing. So again, giving more credibility to that as a marketing channel is huge. And obviously so much changed with cookies and like these digital platforms. So it just became this natural tie between all those things converging, people at home, wanting more entertainment, wanting more content and marketers shifting dollars. I'd also say consumer behavior has changed so much. Like we talk a lot about this trust issue, this authenticity. I think Consumers are becoming more and more savvy when it comes to advertising, when it comes to knowing like what's real, what's fake out there. Of course, AI is going to like totally disrupt that, but you know, that's another, that's a whole nother topic. But I do think, you know, consumers, there's a stat out there that's been out there forever, which is like 92% of people believe in a recommendation or word of mouth from a friend or family member or someone more credible than an advertisement. So Again, that's where these creators, these influencers come in and them recommending products. You know, if you've been following an influencer for a few years, and then again, in the pandemic, you're like even more locked into that content, you're definitely going to trust them as well. And then you know, also the monetization opportunities have changed, right? Like TikTok exploded during the pandemic and that gave YouTube a little bit fire under them to think about, okay, how are we going to monetize not only long form, but start thinking about shorts. You know, Instagram has tried so many things. Every platform has tried these funds. And there is this push from creators to say, hey, like, we are your currency. They're the currency of these platforms. That content is the only reason people come to those platforms and the only reason advertisers come. So you can tell how passionate I am about this creator economy because it's such a cool, it's like so cool to see all these things converging. And I will say that was the silver lining of the pandemic. It's, you know, having this creator influencer economy emerge from it and having consumers trust these people and having advertisers finally shift money towards them. I read a Twitter thread just before we started this podcast and like today's episode and it had a statistic around tech jobs particularly where it mentioned that there were like 168,000 or so tech jobs that were eliminated last year and that number is already higher than that this year it's over 200,000 and the interesting statistic over there was that there's a fair share of those people are going to become creators a fair share of those people are going to go work for smaller companies or join startups. A fair share of them are going to go start their own startups or become even freelancers and solopreneurs, right? And every time things like this happen, right? And whether it's was the pandemic or a recession or economic shifts and so on, right? It creates these kind of trends where people start looking for other opportunities to monetize as well as grow, right? And I think some of these kind of pushes have helped the creator economy become a little more serious. And talking about being serious, there was one interview where you mentioned that being a creator is still not being taken as a real job, right? And to be honest, uh, I've spoken to a bunch of creators and 
a few of them who are actually in the top tier also who make a serious amount of money even they struggle to go to a bank and get a mortgage right it's hard to go buy a house which shouldn't mm-hmm. be the case because you are making a good amount of income it's just that traditional banks don't have the necessary tools to judge or evaluate your case because you don't have a standardized w2 income right and what did you mean when you said that in the interview right that you know being a creator is not really taken as a real job yeah i feel like it's changing a little bit every day but <laughs> i think because of our companies right like because of all these new amazing companies coming on the scene but it's exactly that like there's little things like you know if you go on like irs and they'll say like, oh, you're a hobby. Like they categorize you for you if you're a creator influencer. It's like, no, that's definitely not the case. And then again, like that's the exact problem we're solving, right? Like a creator will go to a bank, to a regular bank or to any other like CPA or different financial advisors. And they just don't understand this as a profession. And they won't give them even like a small business bank account, which should be free to open, right? Or lend them money, which is part of our funding process. So it's really about having companies like ours, companies like yours, like really taking in this creator mindset, understanding them as that solopreneur and small business, and then creating products that cater to their needs, right? And so to your point about looking at the past 6, 12 months of how much income they've pulled in, whether that's from a platform or brand deals, and then really working with them on what is the right amount to you know give them and and educate them along that way, right? So that's a huge thing of what we're doing. It's provide that funding, provide that bank account, but also educate them so they can be confident. So I think like the more of us that are working together and doing this, the more this profession will be recognized, especially by like the traditional institutions. And I don't know if you saw the news, but the IRS is now going to build their own like TurboTax. I'm so interested if they will have anything in there from creators. I highly doubt it, but I guess we'll see. Yeah, I doubt it as well. But yeah, I guess we'll find out. So going from there to talking a little bit more about influencer marketing in the creative juice context, you work with so many creators and you help so many creators. Do you folks yourself use influencer marketing as a channel for growth? We do. We actually have, I think it's like seven or eight creators going to chat about us on June 8th. I'm sure by the time this airs, it'll be past this date, but we're launching our new Juice Club. But we work with a bunch of creators. We call them our ambassadors. They're really part of our community. And they're all these creator educators. So John Ushahi, Patty Galloway, Lloyd, not George. Like There's a whole list of them. And actually, it was cool because Business Insider just did a feature on if you're a creator and you need to be educated on the creator economy, like follow these 20 creators. So We work with all them and a few things we do differently, which is obviously really important because we're a creator company. We work with creators. We are building for them is one, we do a lot of like incentive sharing. So like whether it's like a referral program with them or affiliate program Two, we really work with them on education. So they not only like create videos for us on their channels and promote juice, but we actually are having them do like monthly education sessions with our creators. So that's definitely one big perk that we give. It's again, I go back to that education, that community, like that's so important in this audience. And so us working with creators as ambassadors to educate others is super important. And then the third one, which we've learned 
and I've like, as a marketer, had to give up some creative control. But when we work with these creators and they create content for us, we truly let them have creative control. It's pretty cool. And we just say like, okay, obviously we're a financial institution. These are the things you can and cannot say. But other than that, and like, here's our brand guidelines, et cetera. But other than that, it's like your free reign because again, we want it to be authentic to their channel. So we really give up that creative control and let them create and speak about juice, how they have experienced it and what feels right for their audience. So we think we're doing it well. We've gotten like good feedback from all the creators. They continue to work with us, but you know, and we're paying them on time. (laughs) (laughs) So we're trying to practice what we preach. Awesome. Awesome. That's great. Talking about success and whether you're doing it right, what are some signs that you are measuring internally to be sure that you're on the right path with influencer marketing? Yeah. One thing is some of like the comments and questions we get, we measure like our NPS right internally. And so whenever we get any comment that's even more so around, oh, I heard about you from another creator or from a friend or, oh yeah, I heard about Juice and this, that, like that is a huge signal for us. It feels like more squishy, but we know that word of mouth is the most important with this audience. And then we can really measure that through NPS. And we do that rigorously every day. And and we really dive into when there is a negative comment or feedback there. So that's big for us. And then really looking at those hard growth metrics. So how we're acquiring creators, whether that is through word of mouth or through outbound email, or even through our ambassadors, obviously having like link in bio, like those UTM links are super important for our tracking. So I would say those are probably the biggest things in our measurement there. And then of course, like we look at all the other metrics like engagement rates and click-through rates and getting really sophisticated about where people are dropping off and really what more could we be doing for them. Got it. And if somebody is just starting out in the field of influencer marketing, just testing it out as a new channel, what are some tips and advice you'd give to a marketer? Yeah, I would say you know, one, find the influencers that use your product and hire them. (laughs) Two, find the influencers that hate your product and listen to them. And then three, give up creative control. Like I know it's so hard when I worked at Clorox, especially it was, you know, it's a big old company. And like we knew our brand through and through, you know, and giving up that creative control is so hard. But once we did it, we were so successful. And as long as you just like, again, they don't say anything illegal or like (laughs) incorrect, then let them have that free reign. So I'd say those are the three things. Yeah. And I think that's the important part also, right? I've spoken to a few of our guests on the previous episodes and we talk a lot about this, right? As a brand, if you're especially a big established brand, you're very, very conscious about how it's going to be represented, right? You've spent years of effort to build a particular kind of image and, you know, you want to maintain that. But Really, the key to influencer marketing or the way to do it really well is to really give up, give that creative control to the influencer. You can obviously still give some brand guidelines, but you have to, you know, let them do what they do best. And that's what's going to work well with their audience as well. Exactly. And that will work well for your brand. Ultimately, exactly. Yeah. You know, so, so end of the day, that's what you want. Yes. Yes. So fun question. If you were to take out an influencer to lunch, who would that person be? Okay. I have two people. Sorry, but this would be separate lunches. (laughs) (laughs) I think, you know, when I think about like celebrity influencer, I got to go Selena Gomez. I love what she's doing in the mental health space. I think she is so real and, and she really shows like 
all sides of herself on social media. And I love that she really stands behind a really important cause, which is mental health and especially on social media. And then my other one, which would be like an everyday influencer is Matt Bouchel. He's like a small Instagrammer. I mean, I shouldn't say small. He's 300,000, but he's hilarious. If everyone needs to follow him, he's on Instagram. He just talks about these like everyday isms and really... It's just him walking the streets of New York, talking like on his iPhone. Like it's just so raw and authentic. But I would love to hear like, how does he think of his content every day? Because it's just so funny, so timely and just creative, simple. Everyone loves him. That's awesome. Sometimes that's the kind of content you want to just binge on, right? It's so easy to just keep going one after the other in that kind of content. Yeah. That it's like, oh yeah. And it's so easy to connect to something like that. Yes. Wait, who would you take out? I need to know. So I like this guy called Naval Ravikant, who is the founder of AngelList. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I, I feel like he's this new age philosopher. And I'm going through a phase in life where, you know, I've been, I've done my own startups and now I'm here. And, you know, I've always had this fast-paced journey as far as all of my career prospects are concerned. And it's been fun. But I would also like to take a step back and see, observe like what's happening. And he tries to bring that really well. And some of the things that he talks about, he's not your regular Instagrammer. Like I think he's more active on Twitter and uh, so on, but not so that. much on video and stuff, right? He he used to host a bunch of podcasts and used to be active. But the key thing that I like is that he makes you think and he mm -hmm. himself is like a very deep thinker. I don't know if I'll ever get there, but you know, he forces <laughs> you to take a step back and really think about what's happening and why it's happening, right? And that's what's interesting. So if I can get some time from him uh, at lunch, I I'm sure I'm not going to eat anything because I have a lot to ask. Uh, but uh, definitely, I love that. yeah, I definitely would love to meet him for lunch. I need to follow him. I will right after this. Awesome, Colleen. This was great. I think it was a fun chat. Anything else you would want to share with our listeners? No, I mean, really like check out Juice, of course, you know, whether you're, just starting out as a creator or you've been in the game for a while like we'd love to chat with you we'd love to get your feedback like that's why we're here so definitely check out getjuice.com or dm me on linkedin you can just find me colleen stoffer and would love to chat with all the influencers and creators out there yeah definitely i mean i have heard this a lot and i was at the creator economy summit what was that a couple of months ago in la and that was one of the key themes of discussion because a lot of creators were there and everybody's talking about how much of a pain it is to manage a lot of these things mm -hmm. while also doing your job, right? And you talked a little bit about Selena Gomez and mental health. And that's one of the key things that came up there also, right? And yeah. when we scroll through all of this content and you asked, you know, even about Matt, right? Like, how does he come up with all of this? And I'm pretty right. sure he's also stressed about the same thing, right? Yes, maybe he makes observations around day-to-day -day things, but to be able to do that consistently day over day and for months uh, at a time and even more, it is tough, right? And it is exhausting. It is stressful. It is lonely. A lot of times, many creators fight through depression and anxiety mm -hmm. and so many other things, right? Especially when you're on screen and hundreds of thousands of people are watching you and waiting for your yeah. content and they're judging you if you're, wow. you're not producing good content, right? So all of that combined is like if a bunch of things could be taken care of, like, you know, what 
typically in our minds are mundane tasks right like your taxes should just happen right you don't shouldn't have to right. worry about like okay i have to spare like weeks of effort to pull together all the invoices and whatever and go through everything right you know exactly. every, everybody who has a w2 has it lucky because it's easy right like your taxes are taken care of by your employer most of right. the time but for creators it's hard and i think you guys are doing an amazing job to make this easier and yeah everybody should check out creative juice and see what uh, they can do to help you out that would be amazing thank you so much i know we need a whole another episode on creator burnout yes <laughs> But I really appreciate you having me. Same here. It was great having you and I enjoyed this conversation. And uh, thanks a lot for taking our time. Yeah, thank you. And obviously, congrats on all your success too. Thank you so much, Colleen. Impulse, the influencer marketing podcast is brought to you by Philo. Philo is the easiest way to get access to authenticated creator data from hundreds of different platforms. To know more about Philo, visit getphilo.com. That's get. P-H-Y-L-L-O.com. Also, make sure to search for Influencer Marketing Podcast in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or any of your favorite podcast listening platforms. And don't forget to click subscribe so you don't miss out on any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Philo, thank you so much for listening.